Good morning, everybody. It is really so lovely to be here this morning. So today, we are going to be kicking off a short series, and we're going to be spending three Sundays exploring three incredible gifts that God gives us. And that'll take us right into Christmas Day, the day when we gather together to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the event that changed everything. So before we get to our very first gift this morning that we are going to be unwrapping together, I would love to read for us from Amos 5 verse 4. This is what the Lord says to Israel, seek me and live. Advent, this um, couple of weeks leading up to Christmas, is a celebration of the God who comes. That's what the word Advent means. It comes from a Latin word, and it actually means coming. And every year at this time, we get to sit for a while and marvel at the God who comes. Um, Before we jump into the preach, I would love to just take a moment to pray for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that every year, annually, we get a time to pause, a time that you have set aside for us as followers of Christ to remember the birth of Jesus and to remember what that means for us. Heavenly Father, I pray for us over this Advent season, Lord God, that you will help us prepare our hearts to receive you in new and deeper ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the gift that we are gonna be unwrapping today is, drum roll please, the gift of waiting. The gift of waiting. Those words come out of my mouth and it feels a tad disappointing because waiting doesn't seem like such a great gift. If we're honest, I think that waiting feels more like a frustration or an inconvenience. As I was thinking through this, I actually phoned Gareth at one stage, and I said to him, look, can can we actually call this a gift from God? Like, can we really go that far? (laughs) And we can. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, as I was wrestling with it, I was thinking, okay, we can definitely call it a discipline. Like, we know that God can bear good fruit in our lives as as we wait on him, but can we call it a gift? So that is the question that we are going to try to answer as we unwrap this message this morning. Oh, 2020. (laughs) This has been a year of waiting. We have found ourselves waiting for news, waiting to get sick, waiting to get well, waiting for test results, waiting for lockdown levels to change, waiting for government announcements, waiting for schools to go back, waiting to see if our business will survive, if we still have a job, if we got a new job, if we'll get paid at the end of the month. No matter what this year has looked like for you, we can all identify with the intensity of waiting. Whether it's personal, waiting for those lines on a pregnancy test, for those exam results, for that colleague on Zoom to realize they're on mute again. (laughs) Or whether the waiting has had a more global and national impact, 
the end of an economic recession, the end of a pandemic, a cure to be discovered, an election result. This year has reminded us of what waiting feels like. So how can waiting become a gift from God? Let's look at scripture. When we turn to God's word, it is surprising how many times waiting is seen as a positive. We are instructed more than 200 times in God's word to wait on him, but we are also told that when we do that, we will be strengthened and there will be blessing and that we can wait with faith and hope because of God. I've asked a few people to share a couple of scriptures with us this morning, and so that's going to come up on the screen behind me. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amos 5, verse 4 says, This is what the Lord says, Seek me and live. I am reading from Lamentations 3 verse 25 from the English Standard Version. The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the soul who seeks him. How great is it to see their faces and hear their voices this morning. Awesome verses on waiting. And Isaiah 40 verse 28, this one is almost overused, but it holds such gems for what waiting does in us. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love this verse because of that, because it tells us what God does inside of us as we wait. It's it kind of reminds me of a babushka doll. You know those little um, Russian nesting dolls? I think there's a picture that might come up. It's like God says to us, my child who I love, I have a gift for you. And it is the gift of calling you to come and wait with me. And he gives us that gift. And then he says, but open it up. There's more. As you wait on me, I am going to renew your strength. Have you been feeling tired and worn out? I have renewed strength for you. And we open up that next layer. And God says, wait, there's more, there's more. Open up another layer. And we open that up and he says, you will mount up on wings like eagles. Man, I have so much in store for you. But there's more. Open it up. There's another layer. You'll run and not grow weary. I'm going to teach you something about perseverance in me. But there's more. Open up the next layer. You'll walk and not faint. I'm in this with you for the long haul. As we wait on the Lord, there is an expansion that takes place inside our spirits. Instead of getting smaller and smaller like nesting dolls do, we get bigger and bigger as God makes us more like Jesus. Romans 8 verse 24 has this incredible description of waiting in the message. This is what it says. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. How spectacular is that, hey guys? Waiting does not diminish us. No, we are enlarged in the waiting. 
the gift of waiting enlarges our capacity for hope. Amy Clemens puts it this way. She says, the more we see our own inability to perfect ourselves or the world around us, the more our hope must stretch, expand, and enlarge our faith in God. His plan in the advent of Jesus, in the coming of Jesus, was amazing enough to create hope in us for what we can't yet see. Waiting is a gift from God, but it isn't necessarily an easy gift to steward. Over and over again, Scripture calls us to wait on the Lord, and if waiting is both an instruction and a gift from God, then why is it so hard? We are part of a very fallen humanity, and we are prone to taking matters into our own hands. We feel entitled to not have our time wasted. And often, waiting can feel like it causes more problems than it's solving. Am I right? Life is fast, and if we have a need, we fill it. We want information about something, we pick up our phones, Google it, done. Hungry, tear something open and eat, done. Want a photo, click, add it to Instagram, everyone has our news. Whether it's being stuck in traffic, the endless queue at the licensing department, or something far more significant, something that impacts our personal lives far more deeply, waiting is hard. And studies have shown that there are a couple of reasons for this. Studies have actually shown that there's some types of waiting that are harder than other types of waiting. And I'm going to spin through it really quickly because I think it can be helpful for us to understand why we struggle so much with waiting. Studies have shown that unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. So think of level one. That was, that felt long compared to level three when we had a little bit more freedom. Anxiety makes the waiting feel longer. I don't know if anybody here has ever lost sight of their child for three seconds, but that can feel like a lifetime. Um, uncertain waits feel longer than known finite waits. Think about this. If, you are, if you're called in to see the doctor and you know he's got something that he needs to tell you, and the receptionist comes out and says, the doctor will be with you in 30 minutes. That is almost a manageable wait. We can internally manage that. But if we're told the doctor will see you soon, and we're sitting there, and we're waiting, that creates concern and anxiety, not being able to measure it off. Unexplained waits seem longer than explained waits. If the weather is bad, we can understand why somebody is running late. If there's no explanation, we struggle more with that waiting. And solo waits feel longer than group waits. The bottom line is that waiting makes us feel small. And the consequences of waiting can be equally difficult. It can impact financially. It can impact and damage our self-esteem. It can be lonely. But I don't think the wrestle that we have with waiting is really any great mystery and I think that all the reasons that this study points to can actually be summed up in one. Waiting makes us realize how little control we have. Why is waiting hard? 
because it points to our lack of control over significant realities, over things that really matter in our lives. And not being in control feels terrible. Thankfully, Scripture itself is a story of waiting. We look into Scripture and we see Abraham and Sarah who waited decades for a child. We see Joseph, who waited from, for release from prison. David waited to be crowned king. Nehemiah, for the temple to be rebuilt. The exiles waited to return to Jerusalem, and the Israelites waited for their Messiah to come. Scripture encourages us that we are not alone in the wait. We wait in great company, guys. But it also confirms our fears that we are not in control. And while that may seem like bad news, it is actually very good news. The good news is that God is in control and that he always has been. And that he is far more powerful and far more wise than we could ever hope to be. Scripture confirms our fears that we are not in control And it relieves our fears by showing us over and over again that God is. The gift of waiting provides us with opportunities to place our dependence on God again and again and again. And we don't relinquish control to a God who we hope will figure it all out in the end. We place our confidence in the God who is Alpha and Omega, who is omnipotent, omnipresent and omniscient, the all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God who has always been in control since before he spoke the world into being. And scripture confirms this. Job 11 verse 7 to 9 says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depth below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. And another one from Job. This is from Job 26 and from verse 12. It says, by his power, by God's power, the sea grew calm. His spirit made the heavens beautiful. These are just the beginning of all he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? In Amos 5 verse 4, that verse that Rendani read for us, God says this, Seek me and live. We wait, stretching forward to be the first to catch a glimpse of Jesus. We wait like Zacchaeus did. Remember the story of Zacchaeus. He wanted to see Jesus, but he was a short man. So he climbed up a tree and he leaned out as far as he could so that he would be the first to catch a glimpse of Jesus coming. That's how we wait for Jesus. Our souls can be a little short. Waiting feels hard, and we need to stretch out ourselves as we seek God, full of expectation because we know that he is the God who is coming. Advent and waiting are beautifully linked. 
Advent invites us to look back to a wait perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. And it calls us to look ahead to a wait that we as Christ followers hold as our great joy to come. And as Advent turns our eyes back towards the first Christmas and ahead of us toward Christ coming again, it transforms how we wait in the here and now. This month leading up to Christmas is filled with preparation. We're thinking decorations and presents and food prep, but far more important than that is that we get to prepare our hearts for the coming of our King of Kings. Think of an Advent calendar. My kids love them. Every morning, you get to pop open a new window and see what the shape of the chocolate inside looks like. Like, what is it going to be today? Is it going to be a candy cane? Is it going to be a Christmas tree? Is it going to be a little reindeer? And each day, my kids are filled with expectation and excitement because they get to pop open another little window and see what's behind that window. And that's what the lead up to Christmas should be like for us. There should be a sense of expectancy as we daily prepare our hearts and our minds to receive more of God. Daily, we open up the window of our hearts and our lives and our thoughts to God. All humans go through seasons of tough waiting. But as God's people, we are empowered to wait differently. We wait with hope. We wait in faith. We wait seeking our God, spending time in his presence, listening to his voice. We wait strengthened by God. And even... When we wait for something where the outcome seems to be negative, we can still wait with hope because we know that God is working all things out for his glory. Man, being able to wait with hope, being able to wait in God sets us apart from the world. God's people have always been a people of waiting. When we look at the Old Testament, we encounter God's people faithfully waiting for the Messiah. He had been prophesied and promised for centuries. And so they waited through exile and danger and wilderness years and times of plenty and times of famine. They waited. They hoped and prayed and prepared their hearts. Do you know, the last book in the Old Testament, it's called Malachi. I'm going to try and find it here. Babe, actually, can you come up and give me a hand? Because I don't have enough hands. <laughs> All right. So this is the last. You can actually hold it like that. Okay. This is the last book of the Old Testament, and it's called Malachi. And then we flip to the New Testament, and we encounter Matthew. And this is where Jesus enters the story. For us, it's just a flip of the page. Thanks, my angel. (laughs) It's a flip of a page. For the Israelites, it was 400 years. 400 years since they had last heard from God to when Jesus makes his appearance. But all this time, the God who works outside of time and space was perfectly at work. And in the most surprising way, the wait is met in Jesus Listen to John 1, verse 11. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, 
and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Advent is a celebration of the greatest weight fulfilled, perfectly fulfilled. We look back and we see how God has done it. He has come. Galatians 4.4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. But as much as Christmas is about looking back, it is equally as much about looking ahead, because Jesus is coming again. Each year, we join with Christ followers around the world as we look ahead to Jesus' victorious return. He is coming again, and when he does, it will be the end of all pain and all suffering and all sadness and all evil. There are some big differences between Jesus' first coming and what his second coming will look like, and we find this in Scripture. When he was born in Bethlehem, Jesus slipped into the world virtually unnoticed. There was no fanfare, no big parades. When he comes again, we're told in Revelations 1 verse 17 that every eye will see him. He will not go unnoticed by one person. In birth, Jesus humbled himself. When he returns, he will come back as a triumphant king of kings and lord of lords. In his first coming, Jesus was mocked by men who hated him for his goodness. And even though he was deity, he allowed men to put him to death so he could save our lives. He came the first time as the Lamb of God. He comes again as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I would love to read Revelations 5, just two verses for you from Revelations 5, because it gives us just a tiny little glimpse of what it is that we are looking ahead to. And this is what it says. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. We celebrate Advent knowing that it is in some way a celebration of what is still coming. So how do we become a people who wait well? There are people in this congregation who I think have earned honorary doctorates in waiting. We know people who have waited through job loss and singleness and illness, through the pain of trying to fall pregnant. We know someone who has waited for a kidney and someone who has waited to give a kidney. God calls us into waiting 
So how do we practice waiting well in a world that hates to wait? I know that I could open up the floor right now and you guys could give me so many really good examples. You could tell me how we can wait in ways that honor God. And that is great because I do not believe that there is a hard and fast rule of what waiting should look like. I don't think it's follow these three steps and then you know you've waited well. I believe waiting is far more about enjoying the company of the one who asks us to wait. But there are some things that we can prayerfully consider as we lean forward into God and as we say yes to waiting on him and waiting with him. Um, and I think all these things that I'm going to mention, I think we're meant to wrap them up in Amos 5.4, seek the Lord and you will live. All right, so I've called the first one, Celebrate Surrender. We wait with our hands and our hearts held out to Jesus. As children of God, we have the beautiful freedom to acknowledge that our wrestle with waiting comes from our fear and our lack of control. And that's a great place to start because waiting can lead to increased surrender or it can lead to bitterness. And we are daily invited to practice placing our dependence on God. The next one, unwrap the gift. There is a gift in the waiting itself. God is busy transforming us with his presence so we can watch and see what God is up to in us. And that's pretty cool. He is up to stuff in us and we get to, we get to experience and enjoy and see what he is doing in us. Godly waiting isn't passive. It's not doing nothing. But it also isn't striving. I read a lot as I was preparing for this, and there's this massive train of thought that we need to do, do, do in the waits. Keep busy, let God see how much you're sweating, and then maybe he'll end the waiting. <laughs> there needs to be a balance here. All the action in the world isn't going to give us control. God is perfectly and lovingly in control. And it's not our job to try to persuade him of the outcome we think he should deliver. So it's definitely not all action, but it's not also not all nothing. We don't wait in a way that is passive or apathetic. We are sons and daughters of God. We need to remind ourselves that he is at work in us and he is making us holy. Charles Spurgeon has this incredible quote on waiting that I'm going to share with you. It's actually just, it's so beautiful. If the Lord Jehovah makes us wait, let us do so with our whole hearts. For blessed are all they that wait for him. He is worth waiting for. The waiting itself is beneficial to us. It tries faith, exercises patience, trains submission, and endears the blessing when it comes. The Lord's people have always been a people of waiting. So, the challenge is for us to unwrap the gift and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see what he is doing in us. Three, wait with wonder like a child waiting for Christmas. Christ-centered waiting is full of expectancy, 
and we should strain forward to catch a glimpse of the God who comes. And you know what, guys? We get to wait full of confidence that Christ is entering into our places of emptiness, that he's making himself at home in us in the places of our not knowing, and that his life is being birthed in us in those places that feel so barren. We wait full of wonder and full of praise. Four, wait together. Remember how we said earlier on that solo waits feel longer than group waits. The wonderful thing as being part of the body of Christ is that we get to wait together. We get to share our waits. And yes, that can make us vulnerable. But I think it also makes us a little bit more like Jesus. We get to wait alongside others and cheer each other on. And the last one, I've just called it eyes on Jesus. As we seek God, we turn our eyes to him and we tune our hearts into him. Waiting makes us look at Jesus. When we are waiting for something that we have no control over and we've done everything we can and we've wangled the circumstances as much as we can, there is only one place to look. Waiting makes us look at Jesus and there is no one more beautiful to look at. And we can know that even when it feels like absolutely nothing is happening, God is working. John 5:17 tells us, but Jesus replied, "My Father is always working, and so am I." What is it that you are waiting for today? Your wait is met in Christ. The entire story of salvation is the story of the God who comes. And over the next few weeks, we are going to see how Jesus is the ultimate gift. Frederick Buechner writes, The birth of Jesus made possible not just a new way of understanding life, but a new way of living it. And we're going to head into a response now. We're going to head into a time of worship. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. But as, we, as they do that, I would love to read a verse over you guys. And I would love to ask that you just actually say your yes to this verse in your heart as I read it over you. And as we go into a time of worship. It's Lamentations 3 from verse 22. And this is what it says. Because of the Lord's great love... We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Another translation says, the Lord is all I need. Therefore, I will wait for him. Thanks, guys. Let's worship God now.